Welcome to Moments in the Word. I'm Rick Garland, your host. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you joining in, listening to this uh, podcast. I want to talk today about the Holy Spirit. Um, it's kind of a touchy subject, I guess. I come from a Baptist tradition, and uh, there's always those jokes about Baptists and <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I think a lot of times we believe in the Holy Spirit. We have to believe in the Holy Spirit. It's He's real, right? And, I, and I've been to a part of several Baptist churches. We believe in the Holy Spirit in a theological sense, but we don't really believe in him in any practical way, any practical experiential way. Like, we're too afraid of being labeled Pentecostal, right? We're too, we, we take the, the worst examples of Pentecostalism and then we hold that up and say, well, we don't want to be that, so we're just not going to be anything, right, in regards to the Holy Spirit. Like, we believe theologically that he exists, but that's it. That's it. Um, and yet... We ignore so much about what the Bible says of the Holy Spirit. We sacrifice that on the altar of our fears of being labeled crazy or extreme for some reason. I've been reading about the Holy Spirit lately, probably more than I ever have before. And I'm not sure why the fear of Pentecostalism, because believing in the Holy Spirit in an experiential way pre-exists modern Pentecostalism. That movement began in the early 1900s. I've been reading Andrew Murray, who lived in the 1800s, and he has a lot to say on the Holy Spirit experientially experiencing the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozier was not a, a Pentecostal, and yet he had a lot to say on experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. He's even very forthright with his church one time. I was listening to him preach and he told them he goes there's I don't see much evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit of the people in this church and, and and he was kind he told them you're good Christians you're nice folks but there's no real power and that's where I think we get as Baptists we get really afraid afraid of something we can't control like like if the Holy Spirit has power supernatural power. We can't control that. We're comfortable being able to control everything. I remember a pastor of mine one time, I asked him, you know, why don't we ever deviate from the order of service? Well, because the Holy Spirit may not show up. And if that's the case, we have to fake it so people don't realize the Holy Spirit's not acting among us. It was literally like, let's control the entire worship experience so if there is no power of the Holy Spirit, no one knows it. That's crazy to me. And very anti-Bible, by the way. It's not enough to believe in something, right? 
You have to experience that. You have to live it out. It's like believing in Christ, right? It's not enough just to believe in your mind. The devils believe, the Bible says. They're not saved. It's experiencing that in our lives. I'm convinced that there is more to the Holy Spirit than I was ever taught growing up. There's more. Yes, we partake of the Spirit when we're saved, right? We're baptized into the body of Christ. We're, we're brought into the Holy Spirit. We're made partakers of the Holy Spirit. But I believe firmly that there's so much more that many Christians today are missing out on out of fear and ignorance of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They're missing out on it. I, oh, I long for revivals, like the old powerful revivals, the Great Awakenings, the 1904 Welsh revival that spread across the country of Wales, the different revivals that have taken place in the United States. I mean, Jonathan Edwards preached, and from what I understand, he didn't, he wasn't a fiery preacher. If I understand it correctly, he sat in a chair with his feet firmly placed on the ground and read his entire sermon from manuscript in a monotone voice. And the Holy Spirit was so powerful in that preaching that people were grabbing onto the pillars of the tent lest they fall into hell. That's what I'm talking about. I remember having, attending a prayer meeting for revival. I heard the pastor pray. And his prayer was so unbelieving. He was like, yes, Lord, do a work among us, but <laughs> nothing crazy, nothing outrageous, nothing that, that we couldn't tell, right? Like, like we can't tell if it did, does come or doesn't come. Nothing like that. I've been to revival meetings, right? Churches hold revival, week-long revivals. Well, revivals don't come by a church meeting. They come usually by months and months of prayer meetings. All of these old revivals were preceded by months or years of regular prayer meetings. But anyways, I digress. I remember attending one such revival, and at the end of the revival, the pastor was like, I feel revived, how about you? There's just a, a new spirit in the church. Everyone's just so joyful and happy, and what he's basically saying is nothing happened. No great lives were changed. There's no evidence of any filling of the Holy Spirit, but we don't want people to know that. So we're going to say everyone's just more spirited. Everybody's just so cheerful, and that's the work of the Spirit among us. This was a successful revival. I wasn't convinced. I don't know if I'm getting this across right or not, but I, I believe there's more of the power of the Holy Spirit. You should be able to look inside of a church congregation and see people who are filled with the Spirit and people who aren't. When you look at a church, you shouldn't be able to look and say, well, we can't tell who is or who isn't. That's, no, that's nonsense. 
And since every church is going to have some who are and some who aren't, every church should be able to tell who is and who isn't filled with the Spirit. Say, so, oh, no, that's, you can't know that. That's, you can't make that judgment call. Well, in Ephesians 5.18, it compares the, the Holy Spirit filling to being drunk. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, why would he make a comparison that has nothing in common? He wouldn't. But being drunk with wine is obvious, right? When a person is drunk, their speech, their actions, their walk, everything, you can tell they are drunk. <laughs> you can see it from a distance. So if we're not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, then that should be evidenced in our lives. There should be something where we can look at a person and say, that person is filled with the Holy Spirit. Think Samuel Morris, the young man who would just give his testimony and people would fall down prostrate, crying out, renewing their commitments to God, giving themselves to God, coming to Christ and being saved, right? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was something that followed him that just drew people to Christ, drew sinners to Christ, made Christians realize they weren't right with God and get themselves right with God. There was just something about him. I'm not saying he was special. I'm saying he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you could tell. You could tell. If I got half of a church drunk and left half sober and asked you to walk into the room and tell me who was drunk, I'm sure you wouldn't say, well, we can't know that, brother. That's not our call to make. It's a mystery. No. In the same way, when you walk into a church and you look around, you talk to people, and you're around them for a long time, week after week, you should be able to say, that person's filled with the Spirit, or that person's not filled with the Spirit. I won't get too far off course here. I haven't read my verses yet that I want to talk about, but this is all kind of introduction to these thoughts on the Holy Spirit. Having said that, I want to read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul is talking about, of course, in Romans, salvation by faith alone, by grace through faith. Not our works. And then he asks an important question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we just go on to sin because we're saved by grace? Therefore, it's not of us, so we can just go on to whatever we want and grace will just cover it. No, he says, God forbid. He says, no. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? A dead man doesn't do anything, right? He's dead. He, he has no will of his own. If we've come to Christ, we've died to sin. We've died to our old nature. We have put ourselves on the cross with Christ. He died there for sin. We die there to sin, right? So if we're dead in Christ, then we cannot go on in sin. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. 
Now, verse 4 is what I want you to look at. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, that's the part I want you to see. That like as Christ, so he's making a comparison again here, like as Christ was raised up from the dead. How was Christ raised from the dead? It says here, by the glory of the Father. What's the glory of the Father? By the Holy Spirit, by the power. He says that in other places in the Bible. It was the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, even so, we also... Now, I'm I'm not trying to be a Bible corrector, but I want to put this in in another way for you. Even so, or in like manner, or in the same way, we also should walk in newness of life. So in the same way, in the same manner that Christ was raised from the dead, which is what? The power of the Holy Spirit, we are to walk in newness of life. What does this mean? How are we going to not continue in sin? By the power of the Holy Spirit, right? In the same way that Christ is raised from the dead, we're to walk in that newness of life. If we don't have a filling of the Holy Spirit, an anointing of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, all right, then we're going to go on in sin and we're not going to experience this new life in Christ. Why are so many Christians today struggling with sin? And the answer is they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just enough to believe in the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I don't believe that all we get of the Spirit is what we get of salvation. I think for a lot of Christians, that's the problem. That's all they have of the Spirit because they're, they're taught. Now, let's not get crazy here. Let's not be Pentecostal. Let's not talk about uh, anointing of the Spirit or filling of the Spirit. You know, no, nonsense. It's by the power of the Spirit that we walk in new life. And if we don't have that filling of the Spirit, if we don't have that anointing of the Spirit, what's going to happen to us, right? We're going to go on in sin. So there's no extra filling of the Spirit. It's just what you get of salvation. Then why did God command us in the Scriptures in Ephesians chapter 5, 18, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What kind of command is that? If all we give the Spirit is what we got is salvation, there's nothing to command. We're already saved. We, have, we can say, well, Lord, I don't know why you're commanding that. I'm already, of course I, I have the Holy Spirit. No, because there is a daily filling, a weekly filling. There is a constant filling of the Holy Spirit that we need to walk in that new life. How do we walk in new life? How do we overcome our sin? By the power of the Spirit, the same way that Christ was raised from the dead. How do we get that power? Well, I can't cover all that here. I usually try to cut these off in 15 minutes at the most, and I'm past that already, but quickly, ask for it. The Bible says that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Surrender yourself to the Spirit of God. Clean out sin, unconfessed sin. Clean out things from your life that maybe aren't sinful, but hold you back from true holiness or or excelling in your Christian life. 
The man is going to be truly filled with the Spirit has no claim on anything in his life. To be filled with the Spirit means complete surrender to the Holy Spirit. Listen to A.W. Tozier's sermons on the Holy Spirit. Read Andrew Murray on the Holy Spirit. There is more to the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life than what we receive at our salvation. There is a filling of the Spirit. There is an anointing of the Spirit that helps us, that leads us to walk in new life. And I believe Christians are missing that today. And it's evident by ongoing sin and carnality and worldliness in the church. Father, help us. Help us to be submitted to you. Help us to be submitted to your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.